street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Hi, I'm Dolly, also known as Juggling Lessons. I've been a programmer and a teacher before I retired, and my current hobby is to create teaching materials for street epistemology. Lately, I've been interviewing people involved with street epistemology and live streaming them on my YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash user slash juggling lessons. And we are live. Oops. We are live. Welcome to a discussion about street epistemology. Uh, today, our guest is probably the person who needs the least introduction in the entire street epistemology community. I think I went to an event for Peter Bogosian. I didn't actually. And somebody next to me said, who's that guy standing up there next to Anthony Magnabosco? <laughs> you are far too kind. And uh, I think making a good joke there. How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm, I'm having fun with this. Thanks my my hobby on. is starting to take up a whole lot of time, and that's fun. How did you even get into this? I, I'm I'm honestly curious how you got into SE because sure, the sure. little bit that I saw is that you showed up on a Twitch stream that Reed was doing one day. <laughs> yeah. I watched a I watched a couple of your interactions, and I thought this person is really good at SE. You have a mm -hmm. good calm demeanor, and your questions were really good as well. And then uh, then I started seeing you pop up in Discord. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing this thing. I mean, you're just running with this. I loved, I yeah. absolutely love to see it. I don't see, I don't usually see so many people get into it and take the ball and run with it as much as you, as you have. You, you kind of got mm -hmm. my attention when you did that. Uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to detract from your list hobby. of questions. Hmm? Yeah, I know. Uh, what, uh, my tendency is when I get a hobby, it's kind of obsessive and over the over the top, and it lasts for three months to three years. So <laughs> my goals are with SE to create a library of these kind of videos, and if I go real at it at it really hard for a year, mm -hmm. I could back way off and and let that be the thing. Yeah, uh, I want to make a library of of um, things that get people from I've seen an Anthony video, I mean literally that, and I'm interested in the method up to I'm ready to try practicing it in public should I want to. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, or public only or just practice it? I don't mean public only. I mean that that would be the teaching goal. If if my class is, you could do this in public if you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's If I get you pre prepared to that, it kind of covers all the other situations. You can do, yeah, that's a good point. You can probably do it anywhere if you can do it in public. That's yeah. neat. That, that would actually fill a big gap that I see that uh, people will watch the videos or read the book and then they, they get a gist of what it is, but they rarely go the next step to put it into practice. Yeah. So all the other stuff on the front end, you know, barring the entertainment value perhaps of it might fall flat if there's nothing to transition people to the usage side of it. Yeah. And if, if that's what you're shooting for, my goodness, I mean, that's awesome. That's really great. That's the goal. Before you get so, burned out. We'll see right? how I do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it could happen that I get burnt out in, and, and we'll see what happens. It's just the natural cycle of how, how it works yeah. for me. Got to go with it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Let's see. Questions. I have a bunch of questions for you. How often when doing SE in public, do you have 
say, reasonable fear, some unreasonable fear, maybe stage fright? I never have stage fright. Um, I, ha- I, I hardly ever have fear. The only time I might have fear is if somebody might aggressively approach me and say, what are you out here doing? I've seen you out here. Or mm. they they have an impression of what I'm doing, but they don't mm-hmm. ask me what I'm doing. So I'm already starting off from a from the back foot, basically, of like having to calm people down so that I can explain to them what I'm doing. But that's rare. I mean, I, I don't really get a lot of people aggressively approaching me. So it's it's hardly ever to answer your question. Yeah. Okay. Hardly ever. Okay. Thank you. Next question, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> How many of these do you have? <laughs> 42 more. Oh, we're going to get through them. I think we could get through oh, them. Maybe. Especially, especially right. if we go that <laughs> And And uh, uh, we also have whatever the audience brings, because once we unmute nice. people, there's, there's potentially a lot of people in the room. I'm not actually mm-hmm. looking at the number right now. Okay. Hypothetically, what would you learn? that could decrease your confidence that your practice of street epistemology is good for society. And then there's two other good force. Hmm. Well, it's what I'm getting right now. And that is feedback from people. I just got an email out of the blue this morning from a person. So these are anecdotes, but I'm, I'm consistently mm-hmm. receiving feedback from people who are not only watching the exchanges, but they participated in them. And they give me feedback to say that was useful. That was valuable. Thank you for doing that. Okay. And I can expand on that greatly. Like I can give some powerful examples of people who say this has changed my life. You've saved my life. I've actually, I received a new email to that effect today. So I think when I get feedback like that, it makes me think that what, what we're doing with this tool is good. Okay. It's beneficial. I think I may have misread that. Uh, Maybe I did. Written is what would you learn that would decrease your confidence? Oh, okay. I can only see... the practice of SE. Okay. I, I may have words. said increase. That, that's totally the kind no, no, of mistake I'm, I made. I, I can only see your confidence that your practice is good for society. So I'm, I, I don't yeah. see the question. Uh, well, it'd probably be the opposite. Um, getting some feedback from people who were on the receiving end of an SE conversation or maybe they observer, observed it and they ended up being harmed by it in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've received... I honestly can't think of one example where somebody said this has been problematic for me. Now it's not okay. to say it's not to say that it hasn't hurt people. Maybe it has. Okay. Uh, but that would probably do it for me. It probably caused me to take another look at it. But the overwhelming majority of the feedback that I get has been extremely positive. Okay. So that kind of covers society and interlocutors. So the other third one is good for yourself. Is SE good for you, Anthony? Mm-hmm. I've never been more calm or content with mm-hmm. where I stand in the world and my map of reality than having done SE for eight years or however long it's been since Peter wrote his book. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, my I mean, of course, I still face challenges in life and things like that. But as far as resisting the urge to get upset and attack a person, mm-hmm. that that's almost completely gone. So that that's just one of probably 10 things that I can mention that have been invaluable to me that have made my life better because I I I've incorporated this tool so much into my my repertoire mm-hmm. that uh, that it's it's fundamentally changed me in a positive way. Wow. OK, cool. 
Now it doesn't it doesn't hurt, you know, uploading a video and having a few thousand people watch it and give you feedback and oh you're amazing yeah. and this is, like that's that's that, really that feels good. It does feel good. It's ego boosting, yeah. but it's really the the bigger picture of things. Like, hmm, we've got this really big problem in society. This mm-hmm. is a potential solution to it, and it seems to be working. And then when you incorporate it into your own life, you see it working as well, and it's uh, it's been extremely beneficial for myself mm-hmm. personally. What famous person or stereotype of a person would you most like to see? I'm sorry, would you least, I did it, I did it backwards. Would you least <laughs> like to see practicing street epistemology? Who would be the worst? Oh, who would be, like, who would be bad at it? Or who would I say, like, that's the last who person I'd ever. Who would do it badly? They might not oh, be who? bad at it, but they might do it in a way that doesn't fit the goals of SE that you have. I think. Like a Steven Crowder or something. I hate to pick on people specifically. Okay, stereotype. My, yeah, because I, if, I, if I mention somebody's name, then it gets back to them. I, I wouldn't ever want to discourage somebody specifically from trying it because they'd probably be good at it. But generally speaking, if you're the type of person who um, – who's going to admit to this? But when I see arrogantly confident people – and kind of street <clears throat> preachers maybe or apologists kind of come to mind – just to kind of put it in the ballpark, people who are so sure that they have the truth and they want to go out and fix everybody, that mm-hmm. is absolutely the wrong mindset, I think, when you want to apply this tool. Okay. So um, as tempting as it might be to, like, say, discourage the over-certain. that person. Pardon me? Yeah. You want to discourage the over-certain. Yeah. Maybe. Like, you should, if, if you can't approach these conversations humbly and from a point of view of this is a human being who has feelings and is probably a good person when it comes down to it. If you can't view people in that way, then you probably won't be very good at this. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is presumably the reason people like SE is because it is a correcting mechanism to help form true beliefs. Why would you say it's important to form true beliefs? Is it better to have useful beliefs? Yeah, this is this is tough because people do find utility in beliefs that may not necessarily be true. It might help them get through the day or get through a difficult test if they say a prayer because they mm-hmm. think maybe the, the creator of the universe has listened to them and gives them that little bit of an extra boost, and they actually do better on the exam. So I can understand how the utility of beliefs can be beneficial, but it seems like if we're if, if many people in our society are running around with false beliefs, that may still be util, uh, useful. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a net harm overall for people. And it closes you off potentially to the real truth of the matter. Like my talk with Maritza kind of comes to mind where she was of the position that, hey, if it's good for me and it's not hurting any other people, what's the harm? And watching her come around on that was was just so, such a beautiful thing. And that's that's my current philosophy. Um, I really want to know what the truth of the matter is, even though it might be more challenging to get through difficult times. Now, there are people who don't live by that, by that philosophy they feel completely differently and uh, whether or not they really feel that way or they just haven't thought about it. It's, it's, it's hard to say. 
Mm. I do think okay. though it's it, I do think though it's better to have truthful beliefs, beliefs that are in line with reality and are factually true and then figure out ways that you can work within that model, within that paradigm mm-hmm. and still be able to achieve meaning and purpose and value and all those other great things. Okay. But you do know there might there might there might be some people who say it's but in short, hey, it might not be true, but it makes me feel better and it helps me get through the day. And I would be a wreck mm-hmm. if I didn't think that way. There are really people mm-hmm. who need to have that veil, sure, you know, in between them and the reality of the situation. And um, yeah, it's a, it's I'll, an effective way. Yeah, I don't want to hurt or harm anybody. Uh, what's interesting though is folks like that, Dolly, they they tend to take another look at their views. When you ask them if they wouldn't want their kids to go through life that way, would you want your kids or a young child to value the utility of the belief over the truth of the belief? Or would you prefer mm-hmm. that they actually seek out the truth of it and try to figure out a way to deal with it? Mm-hmm. And when you frame it that way, that's usually when the light bulb goes off. Like, oh, mm. yeah. What about for your kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, the parent test for consistency. There you go. Yeah. 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 Wow. I'm going to listen back and make notes about that. So, okay. future Dolly, Good. make notes. Thank you. <laughs> Do we have a moral obligation to correct people's move away from unreliable epistemologies, or should we be accepting of them? We're already accepting of them, and look at where we're at right now. Um, that's the problem, is I think we're too accepting of unreliable methods or epistemologies, and it's causing a lot of problems. We have lots of people running around with views of reality that probably aren't true, and they're teaching our kids, and they're voting in voting in in elections and all that other stuff. So, mm-hmm. is it a moral imperative? Yeah, I do think it is. I think we have a moral okay. obligation, but um, but also count ourselves in that population that that needs to have their beliefs taken a look at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we once have, you grab the SE tool, or we're not being honest about this or, and turn the tool on ourselves. Yeah. And each other. Yeah. I, so uh, there I, are I people get a that, lot of help from people in the SE community to help me uh, make sure I'm not going off the rails with something. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've seen people join the SE discord. One of the many that are out there now or even Reddit or whatever. And they say, I'm thinking about I think that this is true. Would somebody SE me on it? That mm-hmm. is amazing. That's that's great. I love that yeah. sort of mindset. Works so good. Yeah. Yeah. But there, you um, know, it, it, ethically, <clears throat> I think you kind of have to feel people out in advance. You know, make sure that they're they're on board with participating in the talk. Explain to them what you'd like to challenge them on, and if they're game, then go for it. If they say no, I don't want to do that, then that's where I think it becomes unethical. To, to wield this tool with a person who's not aware of what's going on, hasn't consented to it. So, oh. but if they're, if, if they're game, then, uh, I would say, yeah, go for it. I can think of at least five questions in the list we haven't gotten to that will, that will be follow-ups for that one, but it'll mm. be all over. Okay. Have you made any lasting friendships that started as street epistemology conversations? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my talk with Daniel probably is the first one that mm-hmm. comes to mind. Um, yeah, Truth Wanted. Yeah, he's now the host of Truth Wanted, and he had Arn Ra on somebody else. I did SE with, so that was a little neat to see them both together doing doing a, a call-in show. 
it's not it's not that common because when I when I go out into the field and I do my street epistemology stuff, I'm there to have conversations, record them, come home, upload them, and then move on to the next thing. So I'm not out there looking for friendships and looking for long-term engagements, but I'm not I'm not against the idea. It's just uh, I learned early on, Dolly, that it's important for me to turn off the SE and turn off all the emotional stuff that comes up during these conversations. Because if I were to bring that home with me, I think it would really kind of mess with my mind. So I'm, I'm a little selective in, in who I'll let into the inner circle of my own little family and friends, even though I may have – like a Maritza. I, I, I've never seen her again. Um, would it be nice, I mean, to see uh, – do a third try? Absolutely. That would be cool. But uh, it's not important for me to, like, maintain a friendship with folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, you know, by uploading the videos – and getting the attention of other activists in the atheist community, for example, that has resulted in friendships. So mm-hmm. I've become quite good friends with a lot of people who are who are in that community. So it's while while it really didn't create relationships with the people that I was interviewing specifically, it's it's helped like for us, for example, us. I, I wouldn't be talking with yeah. you here if I hadn't uploaded that stuff. So this is it's yeah. been good, but not with the people that I've been directly interviewing. Okay, so it's it's with the audience and other practitioners, the people in the community. Generally, that's, that's what the relationships yeah. are. Like I've had people yeah. say, like your audio sucks. Can I fix your audio? Okay, well, sh- what, what do you need? Well, I need the highest quality okay. wave file you can send me. Okay, mm-hmm. and I've been doing that now for three, two or three years with an individual in Germany who does that. So I've been making relationships and contacts from the content, um, yes. but not usually with the interviewees. Now it's funny because when I interviewed some Mormon missionaries. Um, because they were out of town and the holidays were coming up, I did go out and look for them to see if they might want to come over to the house for, for dinner with my family, but I wasn't able to, to find them. That, that's sort of a rare exception though. Yeah. I have the advantage that, uh, because of when I started in and coming in through discord, it's very easy for me to stay in touch with people I've had talks with and I end up, uh, I've got people I spend five hours a week talking to that I met through SE. It's a it's a common thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's getting to the point where I might not have extra time in my life, but you know, I've got lots of relationships. Yeah, it could be really challenging. Yeah, I, I also didn't want to get too wrapped up in people. I, I made a mistake early on when I interviewed a guy. Uh, he was a homeless guy. It, 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 I started off with SE, but it turned into something like this guy really needs help. And I ended up becoming fairly close to him and I had to cut off the relationship because it was just becoming too demanding of my own time and resources. Yeah. So, um, I guess I've had a few run-ins in the past where it sort of dawned on me. SE is something that kind of happens when I go out with my cameras. Um, I mean, I still use the, the, the technique, but as far as like the relationships that I'm forming with people in the field, that's pretty much usually where it stays. Okay. Good, good. Good to know that. Okay. Of the people famous enough that we probably both know of them, and you don't personally know now, who would you most like to see practicing SE? Hmm. Anyone that interviews the president of the United States. So a reporter or something along those lines. I I would love it if they would use SE in in coordination with each other. Hmm. Uh, 
I would I would say Joe Rogan because he has such a broader reach and it seems like he brings on guests that very frequently lament the the lack of discourse and they're always talking about a better way. Mm-hmm. But um, he seems to occasionally use SE here and there, mm-hmm. meaning meaning he asks some really good questions and he tends to do a lot of the things and talk about a lot of things that we do in SE. So um, maybe maybe a little bit more of Joe doing I it. Hear, consistently. I hear feedback that Anthony is not audible on YouTube. Oh, from the very start or. <clears throat> I don't know where. Uh, mm. This was handed to me by since, Kimberly since, now. since the last break that we just did. I don't know. Is that both reason? should be audible? Okay. We're Maybe cool. somebody else can confirm that for us. Apparently, we're cool now. So um, I feel like I wanted to add more to that question, but yeah. Well, you know, basically anyone who's anyone who's in the public eye who interviews very important and influential people. Because uh, the questions really get to how they know the shit that they're saying that they know. And I think we often take for granted a fast speaking, some of that appears to be dropping facts as uh, as the truth tellers of our society. And if we don't know how to question them, then it just it just gets accepted by fiat. And I think we need to have people who are a little more well versed in that. So. The uh, first thing that comes to mind, reporters, maybe, and then other, mm-hmm. you know, entertainers, that type of thing. Okay, reporters and entertainers, that's great. Um, we've actually had a peppering in of conversations that have been coming from the text, uh, so our list you isn't diminishing as quickly as we'd hoped. Feel no. free to work them in if you want. Yeah, I have been. So has Anth- I know the answer to this question, but here it goes. Has Anthony read a manual for creating atheist, and if he did, what did he think of it? Which book would you suggest as the first book for people interested in SE? Well, yes, I have read the book. I read it when it first came out. And I immediate my first impression was this is an amazing book that's going to change the world. And then when you go out to start implementing many of the things that the book talks about, you realize some deficiencies that are in the book, some problematic things, asserting what definitions of words are or um, even sort of the snide um, – sort of tone of the book, I think, was somewhat problematic. Uh, today, I don't think I would re- – no, I wouldn't recommend that book. I th- I'd probably recommend uh, Boghossian's latest book, which is How to Have Impossible Conversations, because it, it seems like he's acknowledged some of the deficiencies of the first pass and corrected them and then maybe even added more meat to the bones in that mm-hmm. book. So that would be the book that I'd recommend. Okay. Very good. Uh, just as a side note, we are starting book club on Wednesday, August 12th, uh, and that's we'll be starting on the Orange Book, Impossible Conversations. And this will be a book club presented by people who have read the book, aimed toward people who haven't and maybe don't want to. Uh, if you like, if you prefer the Cliff Notes or something, we're not going to do audio book, but we're going to do summary and detailed talking about. So if you really don't like reading books, you can get it this way. That'll be August 12th. Okay, what is the worst result you have experienced in an Alinkus? The worst result? I mean, from from somebody who's doing SE, the worst result would be somebody becoming guarded and closed and defensive. Um, I can think of other things like maybe they become combative or embarrassed 
I mean, okay. I, I don't want to see people embarrassed or, or want to um, lash out at themselves or other people. So, I mean, that's yeah. occasion that's occasionally happened, but very rarely. So, I mean, the worst the worst result would be achieving something other than what the Olympus is is hopefully hopefully to uh, hopefully designed to elicit that sense of wonder and reflection and, and honest exploration of reasons and methods. Okay, um, so the the goal the goal of the Olympus for you is to generate the aporia the the examination the wondering. Yeah, wonder I think should be mm-hmm. the the desired output of the Olympus. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I'll I'll probably I think I have a a specific question about that later so I won't do too much follow up. Have you had at least 10 Oh, wow. Have you had at least 10 Olympus both in public and online? This somehow is not written toward you. If so, how are those environments d- different and how are they different? How I'm um, saying this wrong. Yeah, I follow it. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely in public online. Yeah, it's hard, it's, public. it's hard to tell online because you don't get to see the reaction to your questions other than <sighs> when they decide to reply. Okay. That's right. I'm, I'm assuming when they mean online, they mean text-based. So you don't generally get I to don't mean that. Oh, you don't mean that. I do almost all of mine by video if I can. Oh, by I video. Really find yeah. a big difference. Mm-hmm. I'll do text stuff if people oh. want to practice that way. I can do yeah. it, but I it much so prefer much. the video so I can actually see your aporias, yeah. where you're headed. Is the spiders yeah. on the ceiling, or are you closed body language glaring? Yes. It's an I, important difference. I did a few. I did a few online video se sessions several years ago on a platform mm-hmm. called Blab, okay. where we 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 even had a show of some sort where people can call in. You know, dial random people. I don't even know how they mm-hmm. found us. They would surface their claim. We would ask questions. And I think we even set a timer for five or 10 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. So there there were a few moments where you would see that uh, that type of reflection, that, that those moments of aporia that you'll see in the videos. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a text-based conversation, I you, just, you won't get that feedback unless somebody, you know, specifically writes, wow, you really have me thinking here, which I've seen. But... Uh, it's so much, as you've intimated, it's so much better to be able to see the person and get that kind yeah. of v- verbal yeah. or um, visual feedback. Yeah, yeah, the visual feedback is really important to the yes. question. Yeah. Uh, another question from Hookdom. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next question, she'll get it up there in a minute. Uh, has Anthony read Why Are We Yelling by Buster Benson? If so, opinions? I have not read it. Sounds not interesting. Right. Okay. Very good. So. Maybe we won't get that up there. Uh, next question. Looking, looking. I see questions about how to reduce latency on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Can SE be used effectively with an agenda to convince people towards a position? Yes. Okay. And is that a good thing? <laughs> Should it? Should it is a whole nother question. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tool for peeling back the layers and exposing the the quality of the foundation that you're building all this stuff on. So the end result of that could be somebody taking another look at their views and maybe adopting new ones. So absolutely, you can use it for that. Okay. Thank you. Next question. She's pasting. There she goes. 
I hope the audio situation's worked out. I think so. I actually think that was a uh, a latency error report during our little moment of technical difficulties. That oh, nice! A while to flush through. So very, very good. That, okay. That may have been a false positive. Hypothetically, <laughs> what could you learn that would increase your confidence? I think you answered this partially. That your practice of SC is good for society, good for your interlocutors, and good for yourself. Yeah, the feedback component is is really the only thing that we have to go off of, and. I, I tend to think that unsolicited feedback carries a little bit more weight. So when you get a message out of the blue, as opposed mm-hmm. to me, like making a post in the SE discord saying, Hey, everyone, tell me about your great experiences that you've had with SE. So mm-hmm. I think when you, when you're getting them out of the blue, when people are taking the time out of their day to email, like hunt down my email address and send me a message, it tends to carry more weight. So I think that that's good. Um, I would love to see a study like a long-term study of people who have gone through the SE experience and do they remember the conversation? How beneficial was it to you at the time on a scale from one to 10? How beneficial to you was it six months after the fact and then maybe even a year after the fact? Like some sort of tracking of individuals post-conversation would probably help boost my confidence up on that. Okay, good. Without pushing into any of your intimates' privacy, can you tell me how your intimates see your hobby of SE? How your family sees yeah, it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I we don't really talk about it that much. Um, my kids, they're teenagers, so anything that I probably do would would probably be seen as somewhat like uncool and weird, I would think. I mean, I... I don't know. It, it's hard. Um, my spouse, I, I think, I think my family is more uh, bemused by it than like impressed by it. it be, is bemused the right word? Like, I, I think they're, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they recognize that it's, it's changed me in a positive way. It seems to be helping other people. They notice that I need to carve off a couple of hours to do interviews for podcasts or stuff like that, you know, once a week or whatever. Um, so they know it's occupying a lot of my time. They can see the amount of time that I'm putting into it. So I think they see that it's it's actually quite valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from that point of view, they're happy that I'm doing it. But as far as like, do they think it's effective or, um, I you know, we don't really get into the specifics of it. Okay. Why do you think SE is largely targeted at people of faith? I think this is coming. Yes, this is coming from the audience because uh, I don't recognize the question. Uh, so why do you think SE is largely targeted at people of faith? Is this fair? Do you think it would be helpful to SE dogmatic atheists, for example? I, I think I do agree with the premise that the most of the examples that we see are people using SE with people of faith meaning they're religious and they think a, a higher power exists. Um, I mean, I think, could you go back to that just so I can refer to that? Um, I've got a horrible short-term uh, memory, so yeah. having that can question we, back up would be great. Repeat the prior question back yeah. up. If you don't mind, could that way I can glance down at it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. I mean, this started in the atheist community. It's been largely yes, promoted in the atheist community. I think it'd be tough to find an atheist today who is not familiar with SE. Which is which is a prediction that I made about four or five years ago that I think that that would probably happen. 
Um, and it seems to be effective with people of faith, and it seems to be positively impacting the atheists who are using it. So that's, of course, going to it's going to resonate with a lot of people and stay with us and keep, and be, I think, largely the focus. But so whether it's fair or not, it just it just that happens to be the case. Um, do I want to keep seeing it that way? Like, I mean, I would like to see other people learn it and use it. Do you think it would be helpful to SE dogmatic atheists? Yeah, absolutely. I, one of the I, I'm coming to a close of uploading the videos that I've recorded. Like I probably have maybe three or four more that I want to upload and then I'll probably be done with it. And I think the last video that I upload will be with a, a, a Christian who happened to be spotting me. He, he spotted me out there doing SE. I did SE with him on his view that his religion was true. And then he came back after about an hour of watching some SE videos and he asked if he could do it. And wouldn't you know, I gave him my board and everything, my camera, the first person that well, the first person that walked by that agreed to stop turned out to be an atheist, and he ended up using a, a admittedly muddled version of SE because he was new to it with yeah. this atheist, and I, it seemed like it was a really good conversation. I want to see more theists using this approach, for sure. So yeah, uh, and even I've seen atheists use SE with very dogmatic atheists who say, "I know there are no gods." And I've oh, yeah. seen them back off of their certainty because of that. And that's valuable. That's useful. So, yeah, let's definitely see more of that. Good, good, good. Okay, next question. Um, I'm loving these questions, which, by the which, way. These are good. These are yeah, good these questions. Are, these are great ones. I, yeah. I, uh, so, Kimberly, uh, are we going to go back to the – you're going to tell me which one I should go back to. Oh, did I mess you up? You can. No, well, we, we I, I had her bring up the prior – and then there's more than one that she could choose from, and it's not obvious which way she should go. So I'm ah. going to do this. I know this doesn't happen in a single conversation, but have you witnessed ever witnessed somebody abandoning a whole belief system, such as white supremacy or flat earth theory? And it says SE involved or not. Yeah, I guess. Um, not those specific topics, but I have seen people in front of my eyes abandon views on karma. Like, uh-huh. Five minutes into the conversation, they said, "I, I don't believe that. That that's just probably made up." Um, mm. No, I think I think it's a little rare to see somebody abandon a view right in front of you. They yeah. usually need a little bit of time to process it. I would yeah. be suspicious if I saw somebody completely change their stance on one of those topics in particular, or even a religious mm. topic. In the course of a short discussion, it would make me wonder, how, like they must, like it would make me question their, um, their gullibility. I mean, even if they came around to my view, I'd be a little suspicious of it. Like, yeah, wow, are you really giving this much thought? Will you just believe anything? <laughs> I rarely see more than about a twenty percent shift when I see shift at a time on repeat conversations with the same person i have often gotten the feedback that their shift post the conversation to the beginning of this conversation uh, might be another 20 or 30 percent so i've seen yeah. big shifts between more than i've seen shifts during myself and that's that's the online with video kind of thing so it's i think that that's i would say that's my been my experience too it's after the talk it's between conversations where they're growing yeah, 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 exactly. 
what actions oops Uh, I would I would like to ask the prior question, which is what actions should the examiner take that would disqualify a conversation from being SE according to your personal standard? When you promote your position on something. OK, in, in the conversation, like when when you, yeah, when you're pushing something. I think that sort of just that that's that's the that's the line for me. And I may have even crossed it here or there. But, um, yeah, I think that's where the SE stops when you're promoting your view or a view of some, you know, mm. somebody else's view rather than leaving them alone to go figure it out by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of harkens back to your earlier question. Could you use it to promote mm-hmm. a, a view? And you absolutely, you absolutely can. Yeah. But I do think that's where the SE stops. And now you're, now you're championing an, an ideology or a point of view. Yeah. You're, you're evangelizing at that point. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then, in your opinion, what is the best technique to bring an interlocutor back to what they think when they drift into discussing what they believe and authority on the subject thinks? Oh, I, I usually say something like, this This will come up, atheists can probably really relate to this. You have a theistic person say, I think all you really need to do is read this book by so-and-so and and it's going to completely convince you that God is real. And I may say something like, well, I appreciate the recommendation, but I'm really interested in how you determine that this is true. Was this book crucial for you for arriving at your conclusion? And almost always they say, well, no, it was a completely different reason. And I say, Mm -hmm. and that's what I want to focus on. Um, try not to look at this as convincing me. I want to understand how you became convinced. Mm-hmm. And that usually resets the conversation. And sometimes you have to repeat it a couple times because I think a lot of people get in the habit of just saying, well, I heard this is a good book. Here's somebody that doesn't believe what I believe. I'm going to recommend the book. And, uh, but it's crucial as a practitioner of SE, make sure that you're, you're exploring reasons that your interlocutor is offering for why they think that it's true, not what they think I'll find convincing. And there's a very important distinction there. Somebody's got a really cool question, but it is too wally of texty. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to slim it down. So we're gonna go to some other ones first. Okay. Uh, okay. You could push back on some of these too, by the way. Uh, if, yeah. I could. I yeah. could, I could push back, but uh, mostly I'm just trying to understand where you think about SE and and see your measure of SE. Uh, and and I expect I, I'm going to be asking most of these questions of Reed tomorrow, and I'll find it interesting uh, uh, the contrast between them. That so, would be interesting. Yeah, we should make we'll sure that Reed doesn't watch this so that we don't skew him. Oh well, that that that's might up be to Reed. Bag. Now, so Reed, stand, if you're watching. He, he did not opt not to have the questions ahead. I shared the document the, with him. He wanted so, the questions in advance. Okay. Yes, yeah, so he knows the questions. He doesn't know your answers unless he's watching. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I specifically didn't want the questions in advance. Yeah. Is there any claim that you would refuse to examine? I can't think of any. Can okay, you think of some? Su- I could think of subjects where you wouldn't be willing to publish. 
because yes. subject is to trigger or right. uh, I could think of uh, I could think of interlocutors a little bit selected by their claim that would make me think it was would be bad for me to interact with them. Mostly, mm -hmm. I would turn down interlocutors that are wildly powerful hmm. because powerful? I fear I yeah I, I fear the retribution of um, mm -hmm. I I think a a powerful person pissed off and and pushed into a corner and and thinks that mm -hmm. you're, you did something bad could maybe do bad things to me. I mean, okay. Send a hitman. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe powerful is you know, bash me on Twitter. Yeah. Now that you mention it, there was a fellow. I was actually thinking about messaging him to see if he wanted to reconsider. Uh, but I was out filming. I think you. There were probably a few people who were on this Discord or the other mm -hmm. SE Discord who may have been listening. But he approached me with a friend, and they had their phone out. Mm -hmm. to record me mm -hmm. recording them. Were you listening mm -hmm. to that one? Um, anyways, it was, sure. it was, it, it was a familiar, but I'm not sure. Yeah. He was a, he was a fairly aggressive and deceptive theist. Mm. And well, that's the impression that I got. So take that for what it's worth. Um, and I got the impression that if I uploaded the video, he he might strike my channel for having uploaded it even after mm. he seemed particularly sensitive to feedback that he was receiving from people in the discord about what he was saying. And I, I, I got the impression that if I were to upload it, even if I blurred his face and beeped his name, it might still cause problems for my channel. Okay. And yeah. even though it was a great talk, I, I just, it's not worth putting my entire channel at risk for one video. Right. Right. So right. Th that's probably one instance that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I'm doing my stuff live. I don't have the chance to not record it after the fact or not, not present it after the fact. You're so fortunate. I'm, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm handicapped. I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but like, mm -hmm. because, uh, I want the content that I upload to look really good and polished, mm -hmm. but it, it takes it adds hours and hours and hours to the yeah. whole process. So there's something to be said about just doing it live like we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like it just happens, yeah. right? So you have That's glitches, my, you have this problems. This is all my producer's fault. I, I lost several uh, intellectual arm wrestling matches with him. He's, he's way too smart. He, he, he speaks six languages before we get to computer languages. So he can convince <laughs> me of all sorts of good things. Yeah. This is all his fault. Yeah. Like I, I see what you're doing or um, like Doug Pine Creek. He just does, yeah. does it. And I'm, I'm jealous mm -hmm. of that. I, I wish I could bring myself to doing that, but I'm, I'm, I'm too conscious of the fact, well, I'm too conscious of the possibility that my, my videos, my content will be seen by a lot of people and I want to put my best foot forward, but I think I'm, 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 I end up sort of tying one hand behind my back by, because I do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we got a little bit off the question on that one, but yeah. Yeah. I, that's fine. Why don't we do SE with minors? Some people do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't. You can. I, I will occasionally use it with my children. They're minors. Mm -hmm. I think, though, that people who understand what SE is and the potential of it, mm -hmm. you can put a significant pebble in a in a in a 13 year old shoe, and then yeah. they go home, and then that can cause some problems with their parents. You know, yeah. why are you talking to my kids about this subject? 
So even though I might see opportunities to do it with my own, with my kids' friends, for example, if I'm j- driving them around or if there there's a sleepover. In fact, one of my friend, uh, one of my my son, has a friend who's a theist that I think is aware of my videos. Mm-hmm. If you've got a YouTube channel and you have more than 10,000 subs, like you're a big deal in you know a teenagers like they think that that's like the really yeah. cool thing. Like being a YouTuber, although I wouldn't identify myself as one, it's a big thing. And mm-hmm. he asked me if I would se him on his God claim, and I think he's, I don't know, freshman in high school or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my wife about it. I said I'm not comfortable doing it. I th- the only way that I would do it is if his parents, if we had written yeah. <laughs> permission to do it. Uh, and even then, I don't know if I would upload it, but, but, uh, you can, it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's what you feel comfortable doing, keeping in mind that minors really can't consent. And this is a big thing. I guess it depends on the topic too. Like if yeah. the minor made a, made a claim of that, the, the new ice cream store down the street sure. is offering discounts. You can probably SE that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You can go through the basic maneuvers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I'm, I'm acting on a, maybe a, uh, an excess of caution and just saying my rule is I don't want to deal with minors unless their parents are involved in the conversation. There was one time I was on the trail and I was recording people and a young guy who looked probably, I didn't really notice honestly, but he was young, he was a young kid and he mm-hmm. jogged off the trail and asked me what I was doing and I explained what I was doing and he participated in an interview and at the end of the eight minutes or so that we were talking, his mom and his sister walked off the trail mm-hmm. and she was like, what's going on here? And he explained what we were doing and we ended the interview and I was moving on to the next person and the mom came back to say, I want you to delete that video of my son. He's only 15. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So I rather clumsily pulled my camera out and and deleted the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I, you have to be very, you have to be careful, you know, who you're recording and how old people are. It didn't even occur to me that he may have been a young person. I I was just, uh, I'm out to do SE. Here's somebody that wanted to do an interview. So, so try to keep that stuff in mind. Yep. What results of an Olympus are, I'm not really sure how to ask most rewarding or best grade or highest satisfaction to you. How often do you achieve that high mark? What's the really good Olinkus? <laughs> the really good Olinkus is when somebody is thoughtful and processing what you've asked them. Mm-hmm. They uh, they are they have they're trusting you uh, when they're being sincere and they're they're thinking it through. Mm-hmm. That's that's the most rewarding to see a person think right in front of you, even a complete stranger who you've only met ten minutes ago. <laughs> It's so rewarding to see that it feels it feels good. It feels really good. Um, how often do I achieve that? Um, if the person's willing to go there, then we usually go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen all the time. But what you tend to see in the videos is typically what happens when I'm out there. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why I would live broadcast my audio to the discord mm-hmm. server so that most people, some people could observe that. Yeah. And, and, and hear it firsthand, but I just don't have the time to upload all of it, but it, yeah, it's, it's common. It's, it's very common. Before I had the opportunity to uh, listen live with you on discord and, and observe 
read live in person. Um, I I was kind of uh, thinking that that these were the creme de la creme, the top ten percent, the the most effective things, and examples? I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I think some of the other examples might be sloppier, but the effectiveness of it still seems to be fifty percent or higher uh, in in achieving at least that. Mm-hmm. significant reconsideration and, and yeah well at the very least a sense of wonder and, and reflection on their position that that almost mm-hmm. always happens whether whether i upload it or not um, maybe one day like when this is all said and done um i'll give my hard drives to somebody who i trust who can just go through and just upload everything you know that, that I've mm-hmm. recorded. But I think what you'll find is that like those, those conversations just weren't really, weren't really just all that interesting. Right. It's not that they're yeah. poor examples. It's just that, uh, I don't know they're, they're just sort of vanilla. Yeah. Can I use yeah. that word? Cause I know that you use yeah. that word. For well, I, and I'm just using that word to say vanilla is the standard where I'm doing the examination and the person's bringing just an ordinary real claim. Oh, okay. So vanilla SE is what is on most SE ch- channels and not very much of what we're doing, like meta discussions or book clubs. I, I'm trying to have a different category. So vanilla is a great term. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And vanilla in the sense of it's, it's plain and ordinary. It's ubiquitous. Yeah. And and not that's that's totally fine. I'm operating in exactly the reverse. I'm throwing it all out there in these live streams. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then my plan is to cherry pick playlists for what turns out to be the really good teaching path. You know, mm-hmm. here's the way to learn through it. Here's a playlist that covers this topic. Here's a playlist that covers this topic. I see. So we'll okay. see how we'll see how that happens. I gotta throw a bunch of it out there. Yeah. You're gonna have a heck of a, a library of examples then if you yeah. keep up with it. For a while, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. Okay, what uh, should SE be taught in grade school? Yes, SE should be taught in grade school, high school, college. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we want to do with the nonprofit is develop a course curriculum. So mm. if there's anyone that stumbles across SE and they have the autonomy to drop in a course to their students. I want them to have those materials to do that. Okay. So you want to make it really easy for teachers to teach yeah. this. Off the shelf. Here you go. Customize it a little bit if you'd like, but it's ready to go. Here's everything that you need to teach this stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that idea. Wouldn't that be cool? I want to work on that project. I know you do. Yeah. Uh, just a little side note. If you mm-hmm. have experienced creating course materials, educational course materials, Please reach out to me on social media or, you know, my email address, anthony.magnabosco at gmail.com and let me know because we want to assemble a team that can start working on that. Mm, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's a, do you have a next question lined up or, Okay. I see extra questions being asked, and I don't want to force their hand as to which one they're choosing quickly. Will Reed be getting these extra questions or just the ones on your list? Initially, just the ones on my list, but I'm very <laughs> likely to go through this uh, video uh, this evening and maybe add things to the list, that kind of thing. Okay, Anthony, I've seen you deal with the um, – I think we should – I don't think we want that acronym out there. Uh, I can explain that, it. 
Okay. That's just the name of the school. Yes. And and I, I don't think you wanted the name of your school public. I mean, I don't really publicize where I do SE, but if you just, if you mm-hmm. pay attention to the background, you'll probably be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really a huge secret. Okay. We could just say uh, college. Is that the most, right. It's a college. So is that the most legal issues you've had to deal with doing SE? So far. Okay. Cool. Hopefully. I mean, I hope that's, I hope that's the extent of it. I mean, I've been at the park and I mean, I've, I've probably had police come up to me a half a dozen times over mm-hmm. the last five years. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just a matter of um, they're responding to a call that there's somebody okay. doing something unusual. And it's just a matter of explaining what I'm doing, staying calm, it, it, pointing them to my YouTube channel so they can watch examples, mm-hmm. give them ID if they ask for my ID. And, sure. uh, but yeah, I, I guess with the university, it's probably been a little bit more, a little bit more involved because I would continuously go there and they would continuously mm-hmm. get calls about me. But I think okay. we've worked out all those issues. So yeah, yeah. that's that's the most uh, that's the biggest challenge that I've had legally with regards to doing SE in public. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder when if that's reach- a big. I, I was gonna say I wonder if that's a big concern for people who are thinking about doing SE, like they're worried about. Mm-hmm. The, the cops coming up to them. <laughs> Did that ever happen to yeah. you when you were out there with Reed? Never happened with Reed, but Reed was sort of established in the situation ahead of time and uh, had, had already tested the waters. So mm-hmm. all I was doing was joining something that was a an already <laughs> regularly done thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. When you reach a point where your interlocutor says that they would change their confidence given some particular evidence and you have this evidence, should you present it? Um, only if they agree that if they were to receive the evidence. I mean, it sounds like they're saying that this person would agree to lower their confidence if they receive that evidence. Uh, yeah, that's the time that you present it. That's sort of a big unknown in SE. Like we we try to always shy away from giving people facts and evidence because yeah. it, it's not clear that they would be affected by it if we did so. But if they mm. confirm to you that, yeah, I will change my mind, and this is exactly how much of an impact it would have on my confidence level if I mm-hmm. were to see that evidence, then, yeah, then that's the appropriate time. Mm. Now, what you may find, though, is that if when they receive that evidence, then they find opportunities to, to renege on their agreement that you've had. But uh-huh. I, 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 would, I would explore why they decided to do that with questions. So, yeah, there is a time and place to give people evidence, but it's only okay. after they've confirmed what evidence they would accept. Okay. And uh, they give you an idea of how much of an impact you're talking about. That's a new Somebody says, yeah, if you give me this evidence, if you give me this evidence, I'm going to accept it, but I'm not going to budge from my 95% level of confidence. I would question why I would even bother giving them the evidence. Hmm. I mean, I suppose you can do it as a good faith effort. Like, yeah, there's really this evidence out there. But... Yeah. I mean, gener- yeah. generally, we want to be talking about reasons that are influencing the person's certainty or confidence that something is factually true. And if they're not going to let that evidence impact their confidence, at least mm. for the purpose, uh, I mean, at least from my point of view for doing SE, it seems like it's not the best use of my time. Okay. Uh, yes, in short, still in the room. 
Okay, so we had a little bit of tough technical difficulties there. But in short, there is a time and place to give people evidence if they agree that it would impact their confidence. But just be aware that doing so, the acceptance of the evidence that you provide may still not impact a person's level of confidence. And if that happens, you should explore why they said that it would, it would impact their confidence, but now it no longer is. Okay. Uh, going to move out there, come back in. Because in that dropping, I no longer can see you out here. So this is the moment. You can't see me? I can see you through the Skype call, but I can't see you on okay. the Discord. And I'm interested in getting back into that. All right, let me, like, pull, let me pull my Discord and see what it looks like. Now I see the stream again. My bad. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> yep, I hear you. Oh, so right now uh, I'm looking at what looks like the chat scene. Mm -hmm. I think FK is uh, switching us around here. Okay, no worries. Okay, right now I'm I, I'm looking at you typing, and I can go to title. Hmm. My control doesn't seem to be controlling. Stream has ended. Do you want to start a new stream? Okay, now now we are back in the stream. And we're back to you. I can see it again. Okay. okay. Yeah, someone uh, thought going and, live was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, is, this isn't all that easy. But uh, we have people that scramble around and do an excellent job of fixing it when they yes. find a problem. Okay. Back to, to there, and uh, the question has changed. Do we want to go over the last question or move on to the next one and come back around to the other one? Basically, that's uh, not the question we were talking about before, so I'll just ask it to move forward. We can, we can, is if you want, we can address that question one more time, but okay, so is this that's actually it? Might not be a bad thing to hit on again because that's that's sort of a it throws a lot of people for a loop when they're asked for evidence, when they when their okay. interlocutor says that they will accept evidence. And if that yes. happens, make sure that they they're accepting evidence that would impact their confidence. Yes. You know, try to figure out how much of impact you're talking about and then provide them with that evidence. OK, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll probably edit that back together at the okay. end. All right. Uh, so next question, please. Yeah. I, I threw my producers off and told them, oh, to switch. To switch. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me pull this knob. Basically, essaying everyone around you. Yeah. It is essaying everyone around you the moral good like, like uh, PB, that's uh, Peter Bogosian, implies. How can we be okay with knowingly letting people be misled? Or how can we be okay with going through life uh, essaying everyone around? Well, number one, I'm not, I don't think I ever got the impression that PB was advocating for everyone to go. Well, I guess he was. Mm -hmm. I just, I, don't, I guess I just didn't see him um, sort of positing it as like, as a moral good to do so. Um, 
Okay. I, I guess I'm on board with that. I guess I'll agree that he does that or he's advocated for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about. The, the ethical, is it ethical to not engage with people about their beliefs, especially if they are likely to be untrue? Um, I don't know if I know how to answer this. I mean, if the person that you're speaking to is willing to have a conversation about their reasons and methods, then I think, and you have the time and you're willing and able to do it, then I think we have an ethical obligation to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you really want the population running around with, with beliefs that they're probably misled on? I, mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't want my kids to do that. So I, I mm-hmm. think if, if you have the, the bandwidth to do so, I would say try to engage with people if you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, good. But don't don't put it all on yourself because you could really stress yourself out of thinking. Oh yeah. I can't. I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There are times where where I hear somebody say something crazy, or you know, challengeable, and Mm -hmm. I decide I just decide not to engage with them. It's it's better for my mental health at this point to just unfriend that person. Mm. Mm Hmm. I did that this morning with somebody. Okay. Mm. Indeed. Do you have a minimum goal or passing grade for Enelinkus? And how often do you fail to reach that goal? I think there's, from the from the questions that I'm receiving here, I, I think there's a lot of emphasis placed on, on, uh, on, on achieving that sense of wonder from the questions that you're asking. And that's, that's a nice to have. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that I'm I'm saying this conversation will be a total failure failure unless mm-hmm. I have a moment of aporia and they're really thinking my questions through mm-hmm. or something. Um, I think there's value in just encouraging people to be honest about how they form their views, what would mm-hmm. change their mind. And then end, talking about a contentious subject without it becoming uh, an argument mm-hmm. that that is huge. Yeah, because we we rarely do that. So there are so many other things that I would say that are successes to SE besides just this one thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I may not have a moment of aporia in a video, but I still upload it because there were three or four or five other mm-hmm. things that were that were worth demonstrating to people. Yeah. So it's I don't actively go out for that to be the goal. Mm-hmm. It's nice when it happens, though. Indeed. I do have a minimum goal or passing grade for myself, and and that is that my rapport is sufficient that the person would be interested in having a further conversation. Ah, for me, for me, that's my pass fail. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good one. If they want to come back and talk with you some more, that's a really good indication that yeah, your talk was useful in some way. Yeah, and and I don't expect to get that every time, but mm-hmm. if I get if I get it most of the time, I'm probably doing it well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Have you ever experienced? Have you experienced an interlocutor that was dishonest about their position in a context where steel manning wasn't specifically on the on the table? Welcome. Oh, I see. You actually steel man their position, but uh, it really wasn't their position in the first place. Probably something like that. Is that uh, what yeah, I'm they where they come they come at you as a poe. They try to trick you in a mm-hmm. place where it wasn't it wasn't obvious that that was acceptable. I don't really know if that's happened or not. 
There was one there was one instance where it was obvious that the person was trolling me. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to talk about how he thought the chupacabra was real. Okay. And it became pretty evident that he didn't really hold that position. That I think he was just he was just fucking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I realized it, I just politely ended the conversation and moved on. Hmm. Mm. Okay. So I I don't get I don't get all upset about if that if you know if some if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. So um, most people that I speak to though they are sincere in what they are saying that they believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I try to encourage them to be honest. Like if you pay attention to my videos, you'll notice I say something like, you know, I appreciate your honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, and they say, well, I'm being I'm being honest here when I tell you this, and I say something like, please keep doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to encourage people to be honest and straightforward. Yeah. Give it to me direct. Don't beat around the bush. Right. Be right. as blunt as possible. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people will just make stuff up. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my practice SE sessions that I do online, I specifically welcome steel manning. And I'm I'm talking about steel manning in the longer sense. The short steel man is repeating back their argument in a way that they say yeah. is really good. The long yeah. steel man is is where they can actually ask me to make a claim. They can tell me the claim, and and I can improvisationally act through it mm-hmm. and give them back what it would be like. Because in a lot of cases, uh, somebody might be afraid of going up against a theist because they're they're intimidated by that. So I pretend to be William Lane Craig and we go, uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so steel manning is is actually part of my teaching method. So obviously it's also okay in my practice, but it's an unusual situation because we're actually doing a theory and practice kind of session mm. as opposed to actually going out and doing it in public where steel manning would be very weird. Mm. It's funny you say that because I like this idea of a short steel man and a long version of it because mm-hmm. when I was going through and, you know, in my my recent conversations when I upload videos, I'll include little timestamps that you can jump to specific sections Mm-hmm. Like uh, intro, outro, closing, aporia, and you can click and jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in a couple of my most recent videos, I was I'm, and I'm, I'm I was kind of vacillating between calling it summarizing and steel mm-hmm. manning. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I was doing more summarizing that I actually had steel manning, but I changed it to summarizing because I thought mm-hmm. it's not it's not going it's not it wasn't long enough to be steel manning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I think we, we should try to, it might be helpful if we try to make a better distinction between what summarizing is, how summarizing is different than steel manning. Yeah. Summarizing, reflection, mirroring, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, the short version, as opposed to uh, like in debate practice, taking a position you don't hold and debating from that place. Yeah. Or, or hearing that person's argument and saying, here's how I think you can make your argument a little bit better. Instead that's of this it. word, I, have you considered using this word? Would that make it better? Like, uh, yeah. so that's, that's more steel manning. And I think I was doing more summarizing. So I ended up changing the wording to summarizing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've even done some, um, tangential to SE helping people uh, prepare for debates. And in some cases, mm. four positions I didn't hold. And that was fun. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. I also want to remember to give some time if the, we, we have a crowd who would probably like to ask you questions directly. And they're doing a lot through the typing right now. And uh, we'll have to read the room in a few minutes and see uh, 
see if they'd like to voice their questions to you directly. Can you do SE in a way that maximizes your changing your mind if you hear better reasons than you already have for beliefs you know you aren't supporting well? Ooh, can you do SE that maximizes my own changing my own mind or or the person I'm talking to? Yeah, this is for the you changing your mind if you hear better reasons. Yeah, is is that is that a technique in SE that you can do that helps you optimize your own shift? I don't know. I mean, I uh, I wrote down what did I call it? I wrote down some. Uh, hold on a second. I I wrote this thing down. I'm, I forget what you even call it, but it's it's like a mantra or. Um, let me see if I can read it. I basically wrote down some thoughts to read to myself mm-hmm. before I started having my conversations, almost like a. A prayer would be a, a, a wrong description of it. Let's see if I have it. Um, sorry. What did I call this thing? We're okay with dead silence here, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is we love yeah. I can't remember the word that I used. Um, and it's not in my notes here. Essentially, a something to recite to yourself to remind yourself of why you're going out and doing SE in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like expressing gratitude for the people who will be coming up and talking to you that day. Or um, expressing gratitude for the security guards, you know, who you had to talk to and are, are, are not getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like a self-assessment of what's motivating me. And and reminding myself to be open to what the person is telling me. Mm. I've done that a few times. Uh, maybe somebody's typing out like a description of what I'm talking about. Uh, it's just the mm. words not coming to my mind right now. Yeah, I was um, watching some Nathan Ferguson on that topic, and he was saying he mm. was watching himself, not listening. And he was reviewing some of the videos mm-hmm. and his own learning experience were the times he watched himself fail to listen. Yeah, just reminding yourself that people are giving up their time to talk with a stranger with a camera Mm -hmm. to explore a sensitive topic. And uh, that, I think, um, reminding yourself of why you're doing what you're doing, I think, can help you um, keep your mind open to what you will be hearing when you're doing these talks. Mm Mm-hmm. When is the Ferrari test a good idea? When is it when is it a bad idea? I don't think the Ferrari test is ever a bad idea unless you've already done it or the person's familiar with it and you're just you're wasting time because they understand the concepts of what's prompting you to do that test in the first place. I think the the Ferrari test, this idea of taking a very basic example and then walking a person through their confidence level that what you're claiming is actually the case. That's kind mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. Like calibrating the scale is is extremely useful, especially when you meet a very confident person in their claim. When someone is dogmatic about what they know, uh, it's worth taking a step back and and doing the Ferrari example. So to answer okay. the question, if you have a very confident believer who's dogmatic about their 100%, do the mm-hmm. Ferrari test. Okay. Because 
it it very quickly and clearly starts to shine, you know, inconsistencies with how they're mm-hmm. concluding that these things are true. That okay. I own a Ferrari or that their entity is real, for example. I see. Yeah. Yeah. There and there's there's never a bad time to do it, but probably the earlier that you can roll it out with a dogmatic believer is probably the better. What is what is the Ferrari test trying to measure and what is the test? What is it trying to measure? It's not it's not really trying to it's not trying to measure anything. It's trying to assess if they if they are going to be consistent when it comes to to evaluating their confidence in their cherished belief mm. as they would with a normal everyday claim that a, that a that somebody could literally make to them. Are okay. they being consistent in their acceptance or gullibility uh, of or rejection of your claim? Okay. So uh, what is it trying to measure? It's not trying to measure that. It's trying to compare and see if they're being consistent. Yeah. That's that's really the ultimate. Yeah, it's trying to measure their inconsistency. Yeah. You'd be skeptical yeah. if I told you I, you wouldn't be 100% sure I owned a Ferrari if I just told you or showed you a key, would you? Right. Now, Probably. if they say yes, you can explore their reasoning behind it. But I, I think what you'll find is that they're going to be a little bit more skeptical about that claim. Why are you not being equally as skeptical when it comes to other claims? And it's that gap that's that's uh, that you're trying to examine. Okay. Uh, and could you describe? Oh, okay, I think we did the test. When people get interested in SE and try to learn the method with the goal of doing SE in public, and they fail, why do they fail the most often? Do you have enough experience in people attempting to get to where they can do public SE and not getting there? What is what does a failure in public mean? I mean, I don't mean a failure uh, in public, a failure to get to doing SE to in actually public. do it. Yeah, because I, I expect a lot of people have asked you. So how can I do this? How can I learn to do this mm-hmm. thing? And then mm-hmm. they don't do it. What's the right. exit? What exit did they take? I. Th- I have heard from people who say, I got my camera, I've been watching the videos, and I'm going out next week. That's happened 30 times over the last several years. And maybe once or twice I've actually seen footage from those people. So there, something, something's happening, something's falling off, something's not... Now, maybe they did it and they just decided not to upload it or get back to me. I don't know. But I, I'm not seeing... Any, I'm not seeing examples from people who are saying they're going to do it. So do we want to call that a failure? I mean, I think it's good that they at least entertain the idea that they wanted to do it. Um, my so, guess so, is so, that my, – here's, like, my, here's yeah. my guess. I think the biggest impediment to doing public SE is getting over the, the, um, the perception that it's weird. Because it is, it's weird. It's a little weird to weird go to out. Weird to offer interviews in public. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think people and there's probably some cultural differences too. Like it's probably really weird. It, I think in fact, I was in Oslo, Norway, and the people were, were like, "You can't do that here. That that that's not. You won't get anyone to stop." But I did it, and it, it it was great. And there was really nothing much different than the conversations you see me do in Texas. But I think there might be some cultural differences um, that. Mm-hmm might be a little embarrassing for people to go out and, and actually do. Okay. 
And I don't know what advice to, to do or – well, I do have an idea. I'm not exactly sure what to do or say to help people get over that hump. Um, the video that I mentioned where I, I talked about the guy who, who mm-hmm. came back up and actually did it, I think seeing that video might be – might inspire a lot of people to go out and do this themselves. But yeah. do we need hundreds of people doing this in public Yes. and uploading content right. to YouTube? I mean I guess it would be nice. But do we do we really need it? What what more will we achieve if we had a hundred people doing what Tyrone does, for example? Oh yeah, I, I think it might be it might be valuable. I think it's a I think it matters. I think Tyrone has has probably influenced more than a hundred people to shift themselves. Mm. So if one percent of us were doing it, everybody could have the chance to be interviewed. And maybe it's not a hundred, maybe it's a thousand, maybe it's ten thousand. I'm not sure what the number is. And obviously, in in a in a media situation, that the multipliers can get huge. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, maybe also people can see different styles. Yeah. So somebody true. could really be turned off by my whistling and and the way that I edit my videos, but they just <laughs> love deep discussions or um, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. chat. Or Raul from Street Knowledge, or Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Indeed. I guess okay. I shifted a little bit on that. <laughs> That's okay. I call this the Aaron Raw question. When is SE not called for, and facts and debunking are or is called for? Uh, well, if you're, I mean, SE is really good for assessing where your conversation partner is at. Mm-hmm. So even even during the rapport building phase of an SE talk, you can get an assessment of, you know, I think this person might be might be open to the facts and mm-hmm. you can just debunk something right then and there. And you, you may not even get that backfire effect and you might even see a, a shift in a person's confidence of what they're mm-hmm. saying is true. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 really up to your conversation partner. But you mm-hmm. won't know where to meet them unless you engage with them. And starting with facts and debunking is probably – it's pretty risky because mm-hmm. you're probably going to raise that – you might get lucky. You might mm-hmm. stumble across somebody who's who's ready for facts and debunking. But I would say I wouldn't lead with that. Keep that in your back pocket and bring it out yeah. when you when they're ready for it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, Aaron usually starts with that. He starts with facts and debunking. Yes. And it could be it could be powerful for people who are observing him interacting with somebody. Yes. But if you're on the receiving end of that and you're not ready for it, you're slowing us down by doing that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I think I think uh, Aaron Ra's example last year with Kent Hovind was is my example of when facts and debunking are reasonable the right place to go because that interlocutor is not going to not going to work within the method of SE. I don't think Kent Hovind is going to be moved at all by SE. His defenses are already, it's not going to consent. I disagree. No, I I disagree. I think I could have a, yeah, I do think I could have a good conversation with, with somebody like that. It goes back to one of the first questions though, that you were asked, what was the first question? Like, is there somebody that you would recommend not doing SE with? And that, If the person is open and honest and they're willing to explore it with you, then you're going to have a good talk. But if they, if they don't have that, that's almost a prerequisite. Yeah. And uh, it's funny you mentioned that name. I don't want to mention any names specifically, but okay. there are some individuals who I, I just don't think would be good for SE because 
they're not they're not willing to budge from their position if if they could be shown that their reasons are faulty mm-hmm. and and they seem to just consistently demonstrate that and uh se probably won't resonate with them if they have that mindset but um if we lived in the same town and we were consistently having nice short chats respectful that mm-hmm. person would probably get more, you know be, become more trustworthy of me and 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 me you know me as a person and i think they would probably come around so even even a hardcore person like an apologist even like a young earth creationist apologist um i think you can make some really good progress in fact there there is a conversation that ken ham had with a podcaster named robert stanley i think it's called mm-hmm. the right to reason you might want to look it up okay. maybe somebody can drop in the link yes please. and because i talked robert had messaged me to say i got ken ham coming on what, what can okay. i do and i gave him some tips and it was probably one of the best interviews i've ever seen somebody mm. do with ken ham excellent i yeah. need to look that up so somebody yeah. look it up for me thank you for for doing all those things for me letting me delegate like heck um this one's not written what's your favorite color Blue. Thank you. Essie has changed the way I think. Have you heard others say this as well? Yes. Many, many times. Yeah. It, it changes how you think about the positions that you hold and the other positions that you hear other people holding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely helped me become more empathetic. And I'm a lot more cautious about the claims that I tend to make or how I write a post on Facebook because mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people that know SE and they're going to ask me a question about how how did I come to that. So yeah. I, I become a lot more humble. Hum, uh, humble? Yeah. You get a, more a sense of humility about what it is you can claim to know. Yeah. What do you do when your interlocutor says no to the Tic Tac test? Either – by necess- it's not necessarily out or odd or even or near neither you or the third person are wrong if you choose the and the odd and the third person chooses even. Um, I asked them to explain how that can possibly be the case. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I, yeah, can you take me through that and explain how that can how that works? Okay, so you just lay, lay it on them to describe yeah how something different than what's so obvious could be there. There's a talk that I had with a guy. I should probably dig it up. And it was on the trail maybe two years ago. And this was right around the time that I started doing the Tic Tac test. Mm-hmm. And I think we spent 30 minutes on the Tic Tac test. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. basically it basically concluded with him saying something like, I just can't give you the answer that you're looking for. <laughs> something like that. Like, I, okay. I just can't I just can't agree that those total number of pieces can either be even or odd. Now, I'll have to watch the video again, but it's conceivable that I didn't start with a tic-tac test, that we Mm -hmm. started with a deeply held belief. Okay. That he uses a relativistic mindset to allow for. I see. Mm -hmm. And he saw the writing on the wall that if I agree with that about the tic-tacs, it has profound implications for my cherished belief. Yeah, so that's too big a rock to fit in the shoe. I think that's why he went to the wall with me about the Tic Tacs because he understood the implications for his bigger beliefs, mm-hmm. which um, for anybody who is you know thinking about doing SE, you can probably just exclusively talk to people about what it means for something to be factually true or not. 
mm-hmm. and we get really good at that and not even talk about people's beliefs. You can just start with something really simple. Um, people become really comfortable with that and then you can move on to their claim. But don't move on further. Uh, if oh, you if they fail the tic-tac, we're done? If they not done. You're not done, but you have to, you need to move in another direction. Okay. Uh, any particular direction or just uh, you gotta, yeah, you explore, explore how, explore how they, explore how they navigate life with that outlook. Okay. Like use real world examples and then throw in the relativism and how do you, how do you go to the bank and withdraw a hundred dollars from your yeah. account? If everything is relativistic. Mm. So yeah, it, you, you, if they don't see truth in objective terms, you're mm. going to be wasting your time for everything else. Okay. Okay. Aside from if they won't accept relative terms, when would you abort a, an Olympus? Um, I mean, sometimes I'll abort it after it's becoming apparent that they've, they're really thinking about it and they're not exactly sure how to answer your question. Like if you ah. look at my my earlier stuff, do you ever notice I say, <laughs> you know, thank you very much for your time. I'll end it like right on that note. Yeah. Um, I've I've received some feedback like that. You know, maybe you can be a little bit more gracious in how you end those yeah. conversations. So um, you can end it on a high point and say, okay, that was that was really good. I I think we hit a really good moment there where you were thinking it through, and it's probably mm-hmm. best if we ended it. Would that be okay with you? Mm-hmm. So yeah. abort doesn't necessarily mean. I'm getting out of there because this is going bad. Ah, you can end it on a, on a really good high note so that they can think about it. Okay. So a controlled ending, uh, does not indicate success or not. Whether you had a controlled ending, I mean, it might be a requirement to have a nice controlled ending. I think a nice controlled ending. I mean, the person could get a phone call and say, Oh my gosh, I need to go right now. Uh, so sure. But yeah, I think maybe maybe as a as a metric, ending on a really nice, calm, gracious wrap up probably is a good indication of a good SE talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. not required, but probably a good indication. When you're interviewing, do you find it difficult to stay neutral? Under what conditions do you find neutrality the hardest? Ooh, yeah, it could be hard to stay neutral. The hardest. It's most hard for me to stay. It's easier now because I've been doing this for so long. I could just, I could turn it on. I could be, well, at least I think so. Um, it seems like I can be really neutral as much as I can, but mm-hmm. it's harder for me to stay neutral when somebody is saying that I can't be good unless I think that what they think is true is true. Oh. Yeah. When somebody so says, like, they deny I'm, that an atheist can be moral basically that's a big one yeah that's a real that's a big trigger for me and it's 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 hardest for me there's a talk that i did with a woman named michelle and i think i called it disconfirming presuppositions Mm -hmm. i think that's the title that was that was probably the hardest i had to really work to stay calm on that one i think somebody even commented on that video i think anthony was really struggling to stay calm on that one. And they were right mm-hmm. because she was basically saying, you can't be good. You can't be a good person unless you think God is real. And right. that's just, I, it's, it's demonstrably untrue. 
and it's it's insulting for people who don't believe in any gods who are good people. But um, again, I try to remind myself that they're only saying that because they probably heard it. They probably don't know many atheists who are good. So it's coming from a point of ignorance. And I don't mean that like in a derogatory way. They, they are just un, they are unaware of the alternatives that are available. So I remind myself of that and I can I can usually force myself to I can reset myself to stay calm. Mm. And if I can't, then I try to recognize that so I can mm-hmm. graciously end the talk and not blow up at them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good, good. So you recognize your own limits and yeah. to exit graceful before it becomes too difficult. What biases do you intentionally hold? If any, while asking questions in the Olympus, and then I'll follow up with what you might unintentionally hold. One of my biases is that uh, this is going to sound weird, I guess, but I mean, one of my biases is that uh, testing is extremely important. And if we can't test something to be the case, mm-hmm. then we probably shouldn't put a lot of confidence in it. That is a bias that I hold that I don't I don't normally okay. um, I don't normally describe my biases to my conversation partner mm-hmm. you know they i i ask people to stop we talk about their view and then i ask questions and i do have biases but that's that's probably a big one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably more but i intentionally hold that's a really good question like do i actively i actively hold this bias i mean i guess the things that we value and find important are probably biases that mm-hmm. were that we're intentionally holding. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if I could add any much more to that. Was there a follow-up? Was there more to that? The follow-up was if you were aware of any biases that you unintentionally hold, biases that you have that you can't shake, but you would rather not have. Maybe. I mean, there was one. Like I, I used to think that people who believed in gods weren't very bright, mm. but when you talk to enough of them, you realize that they're they're really intelligent people. They're just, they're just, um, they just have a view that's unjustifiable and they just haven't mm-hmm. discovered it yet, probably. So, yeah. um, okay. absolutely biases. I have probably lots of biases that I unintentionally hold, but I try to acknowledge them and try to mitigate them as much okay. as I can. I, for myself, say that I try to go into the Olympus holding only one bias, and that is toward critical thinking. I've heard that's, you say that. That's the one I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. That's the one I'm not gonna give up. And I heard you say, say that. that. They at least can. They at least can understand my position. I love it. Yeah. That's a good one to admit too. Uh, yeah. I mean, admitting biases that ultimately will be beneficial to the Alinkus, uh, to the mm-hmm. exploration of the beliefs that you're embarking on, mm-hmm. could be good. And they may say, Yeah, yeah, I, I value that as well. Thanks. Thanks mm-hmm. for bringing that up. How do you handle difficult people who disregard the fact that a presupposition exists or assert from assumption, uh, but still disbelieve you? Um, Well, one of the worst things you can do with difficult people is to let them see that you're becoming upset. Mm. So I tried to remind myself to stay calm. Mm hmm. 
um, even if they're saying something that is upsetting to me or they're they're not exa- they're not acknowledging their own presuppositions or they're accusing me of a presupposition that I don't have. Mm-hmm. That's very frustrating. Um, I try to say um, I usually will address it directly. I may say something like. When you say this about my position, I'm mm-hmm. finding it upset. I find myself getting upset when you're doing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because it's not the position that I hold. I understand that you think that's what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. but I'm here to tell you that that is not it. Okay. And, and it, it it upsets me when you carry on as if that's actually my position. And I would request that you please don't do that. I'm going to try my mm-hmm. best not to do that with you. And if you can reciprocate, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, if people continue to do that, then it might just be the time to end the talk or shift the topic to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What lesson in doing SE was the hardest for you to learn? Mm, probably that l- the last one that we talked about okay. learning not to get upset by what people were telling you and not taking it personally. These are their views. Mm-hmm. And yeah, taking taking your own self out of it was the hardest, but it's probably the most important. It, do you think that's the likely hardest thing for practitioners in the community? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. What we we are our, we are our biggest impediment to our own progress at getting good at SE. Yeah. If you can overcome that, and you have an honest conversation partner, and you know all the techniques, you're going to be really good at it. But your ego. Not you specifically, Dolly. Right. But your ego, the people who are listening, is probably the biggest impediment to becoming effective at this. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to be yeah. a robot. You can. I'm just saying, tamp it down for the mm-hmm. duration of the conversation. And then if you need to vent, get a friend and vent to them about the conversation that you had. But try not to take it out on the person that you're that you're talking to. Okay. We're 35 minutes past what I prepared you to to hang out oh, with. I'm uh, so good. Do you have Do you have a hard? Okay, good. Um, yeah. I would like to open uh, open it to the room uh, to let people ask you their questions themselves if there are people ready. I don't know if uh, if that communication's been going on busily in the background or not as to whether there's. So if there's somebody ready to speak, uh, maybe Cat, do you have a thing? I've been trying to think of something. Okay, good. Then I'll ask another question and maybe you'll come up with something. How often do you modify your own confidence in a claim during or after an Alinkus? Have you ever had a greater than 50% confidence shift in yourself in an Alinkus? Or from? I guess it could happen afterwards. Yes, um, from... Yeah, I mean, people will use SE on me all the time, and I use it on myself, and I've shifted drastically in a lot of different views. Not a lot. A -hmm. handful of different views I've shifted on. Mm -hmm. How often is it? It's not very often. Um, I'm usually the questioner, Mm -hmm. not the questionee. But then again, I will use SE on my own views. So um, you know what I find happening more, Dolly, is that when I'm forming a belief, it's less – it's less it's less rigid from the start. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, it's a little bit more malleable just as information comes and goes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I think I've got something. Yes, please. So it's it's not entirely formed, but it's in my head, so I'm gonna like talk through it. Um, I tend to think that I'm rationally believing in stuff that is considered supernatural in society, and I want to analyze my beliefs as much as possible with people who are educated on some deep subjects. And so it can be hard for me to find conversations. And that's kind of what brought me to SE is because um, there are people who are who are breaking down like the reasons people believe in things. And so there's there's a chance for me to to tell somebody what I'm thinking of and why I'm coming to these conclusions. And maybe somebody smarter than me can present me some evidence that that would mm -hmm. help me change my mind. Um, I was the one that asked the question oh. earlier, like, what um, what can we do to help us change our mind in an SE conversation? And um, I, I want to ask, like, is there any way that I could convince, like, maybe someone who is very educated to be an SE examiner for, for me uh, so, so that once the conversation is over, they can kind of see where I'm coming from and then give me like the evidence that they know I need to change my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, bravo for you for approaching stuff from that point of view, because I think most people, I think it's a little unusual for people to say, I really am looking for people to go to change my mind on things. Um, you don't, t I, I don't tend to hear that much. So I, I commend you for, for sort of approaching things from that mindset. Um, yeah. I do think I, I that uh, it could be beneficial for experts to be aware of the SE approach so that perhaps when they're done giving their facts, let's say they're giving a presentation and maybe they meet somebody who um, actively says, you know, help challenge me on this view, or maybe they get a little pushback from somebody in the audience that maybe they're, they're a little bit more well-versed in some of the questions that they can ask to, um, to help those points land more with with those people uh i find that sorry, there's sorry. a lot of people who hold supernatural beliefs that are much more open to showing like examples in real life of what they're talking about and it can be hard to sort the facts from fiction when you don't have a good background in science like if you were raised in it mm-hmm Yeah, I, I I don't know what more to add, honestly, to what you're asking, other than uh, I guess just sort of commending you for wanting to, you know, wanting to have your views challenged. I wish more people approach things from that perspective. Did yeah. was that always there for you, or did that did that come after you started learning SE? Um, so there was some amount of it inquisitiveness that existed since I was very little, like being LGBT in a very conservative church, like I had to figure out why everyone was being so like upset about me being myself. And I think that's where that came from. And after leaving the church, I found that there were a lot of things that were told to me that were just fiction. 
And so I wanted to like break down how much fiction I was told and, and like where I'm wrong and how can I get back to like a stable method of thought? Yeah. I, I, I commend you for that. I think that's great that you wanted to do that. Uh, gosh, I wish more people did that. Thank you. Sure. Astrocar, you had a question? Yeah, it's, it's a follow-up to talking to minors. Um, uh, so you were talking about uh, it's you don't want to talk to minors. It was an accidental thing. Um, mm -hmm. I Astrocar, I heard accidental thing was the last I heard clearly. Oh, sorry. My push to talk does that. Um, so anyway, the... Uh, you were talking to talking to minors. The other you have there's problems with talking with minors, of course. Uh, the other question was teaching SE in school. My mm -hmm. question is kind of going into uh, what's the how is it different teaching SE in school versus talking to minors with SE? That's a good question because now I'm wondering if I'm having some sort of double standard there. Um. I totally well, agree with us. I think there's a, I think there is a, uh, sorry, I'm just taking a little time to answer your question. I think there, the difference there is that uh, you're being taught how to do something as opposed to somebody actively challenging one of your views. Uh, if, if you're taught to do something, then you can decide to apply it to your own views on your own, as opposed to somebody wielding this tool and using it with somebody who's a minor. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Plus, I think when you teach somebody, you can use really safe examples to teach the concepts. So you can easily teach somebody how to do SE and not mention God or faith or anything at all, maybe faith, um, but without talking about a God belief at all. Uh, if you remember when I was talking about the minors, I came around a little bit on like it might be appropriate if you change the topic. And I think you can actually teach this method by using safe topics as examples. So that might be that might be my little workaround, my spur of the moment workaround to make my view consistent. <laughs> but I'll give it some more thought. Right. So I don't know if it's my turn now, but I, um, I have a question as well. You said that you're using SE on yourself, which mm -hmm. I as well, but I find it difficult because I get distracted in compared to when I talk to another person that's asking me or, you know, it's more structured when you have an actual conversation. So I was wondering what yeah. sort of method do you use to keep a structure to your self SE? That's a really good question. So when I say that I use SEO myself, it might be as something as simple as I'm driving from San Antonio to Houston and I notice a billboard that's making a claim. And then I find myself asking, well, what do they mean by that word? Um, what's my biggest reason for thinking that that's true or not true? 
how would I actually be able to tell one way or the other? So I, it's it, it might even take me a minute to sort of go through that quick little thought experiment. That's what I mean when I say I'm doing SEO myself. I don't literally break out a whiteboard and set a timer and hand myself a red puzzle piece <laughs> when it's all done. <laughs> um, I'm kind of, I'm touching on it a very high level. I mean, I think I'm hitting the major points, but it's not as, uh, it's not as rigorous as what you might see in, in a, a dialectical that you have somebody using SE with somebody else. I do think though, my views would probably be challenged more, more, uh, more rigorously if it was the latter, if it was somebody like Dolly questioning questioning me on one of my views, I think that would probably be a lot more effective than me doing it on my own. Indeed. Well, Indeed. I appreciate that. Thanks. Good question. Thank you. Good. Good. Does anybody else have a question that you'd like to ask? Uh, how many more are on your list? Or did we I get through them all? No, Kimberly. How many? Do you something like nine and uh ragnar asks do you know of any computer games or tabletop games out there for learning se no but please make them we need people, mm. to, people who are creative if you love se and you have a creative bent and you want to create a game or something that will help teach these concepts to people then please try to do it mm -hmm. uh now there is a there is a game coming out um, I'm not affiliated with them at all, but they have asked for some guidance as far as how to incorporate SE into the experience. There's a game called, well, what is it called? I think it's called Savior, and they've had a couple of fundraising events for it, and they keep hitting their goal, and they keep adding more and more bells and whistles to it. It's a company called Starsoft, and they have a game called Savior, and it's about a woman who is, I think she's in it almost looks like medieval times or something. And there's this, there's this culture of, uh, there's a faith-based culture that she's interacting with. And I think there's some opportunities to teach SE there. Uh, that is an extremely clever way of, of introducing these concepts and tools to people. And I, I'd love to see more of that. Mm -hmm. Check out the trailer of that game. It's, it's, it'll blow your mind. Okay. Uh, perhaps somebody can throw the uh, link to that uh, in the in the uh, chat, and I will include it in the doobly-doo later on this on this video. Have any of your interlocutors ever lost their temper, lost their temper, and abruptly departed? Maybe, maybe once or twice. Okay, not common. Uh, there was there was the, I mean there's a, there's that one somewhat infamous did you ever see rocket ship to mars that one kind of comes to mind it's a guy i didn't even get really get a chance to explain to what i'm doing and then he sort of launched into a discussion about legalizing marijuana and it was he was just mm. transmitting and i couldn't really even get an edge was he word saying i'm walking away because something about the left and the right was yeah that that guy. yeah yeah oh boy that's the one i'm thinking of when i wrote this question Man, that was, I mean, my heart was... And I'm not sure recent. he lost his temper. He just had yeah. this, he had a thing to say, and it was if you look, if how, you look to, how to my, break up every conversation ever had. I don't know if you can notice it in the video, but watch my hands, like, they're trembling, because, like, this guy, he was just so aggressive. Mm. And mm -hmm. so he, he kind of stormed off, but 
Um, that wasn't, I wouldn't really say that that was a good example of SE. I mean, I uploaded it because I want people to see some sure. of the unusual things that you might encounter doing this. Yeah. But I mean, no, nobody's, nobody's storming off that that's never the case. Hardly ever. Can you give more details about how to SE oneself? I'd have to think about that one some more. Okay. I don't think I could add much more than I've already said, so I, I, mm -hmm. I'd rather not struggle to try. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And I, I and 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 I'm just going to weigh in and say, normally don't try. There's a whole community of people out there just dying to do it with you. Yeah. There's so many people, people, people that want to. It's yes. easy to export that. And how are you going to ever know if you're fooling yourself if you just ask yourself? No. Yeah. Right. Like, wouldn't you want a a a somewhat rational sound, uh, supposedly, ho hopefully rational sounding board against your own ideas. Mm. I mean, maybe you don't have, maybe you're in a country and you don't have the opportunity. It's just not safe for you to S ask somebody to SEU. Mm -hmm. And then that's your only option. So l l yeah, l maybe let me, let me get a little, more, give a little more, th let me give a little bit more thought to how I self SE, you know, SE myself. I mm -hmm. want to try to observe myself doing it, and then maybe I'll take some notes and jot it down. Okay. Imagine I've got a bunch of new people that want to learn SE, but I only have time to address some of them. How can I choose between them? Whoa. There's a name for that? The Gideon problem? Well, huh. yeah. Gideon in the Bible who had way too many uh, people, and God kept telling him to uh, select the ones that would drink this way into this and that, and they get down to 300. Ah, uh. Because I only have resources to train 300 or something of that. That's a good question. I mean, maybe ask the group. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, 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 there are a lot of ways to reduce the population of something to get it down to the, the people that you think are the best use of your time, I suppose. Like, you know, if you're looking for a volunteer to help you build course materials, mm -hmm. you might want to ask them, hey, would you mind joining us on a conference call at five o'clock on Saturday. And mm -hmm. if they show up, then that might be a good indication that they would be ready for the, something more. Give them a, mm -hmm. give them a small, easy task to do and see if they do it and see how good they do. Um, somebody new to, let's say I got a group of people with SE. I might ask somebody maybe like by a show of hands, who here has changed their mind in the last six months? Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's actively changing their minds on things, then maybe they might be a little bit more open or em empathetic to the process mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the difficulties that can come with it, maybe. Whereas if somebody says like, no, I, I, I form a belief and I'm I'm usually right about it and I hardly ever take a look at my views. Maybe that's not the best candidate for an SE. And maybe also, maybe some sort of empathy test. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the ability to put yourself in another person's shoes? Mm -hmm. Are you are you mentally capable of doing that? And if you are, then you'd probably be you'd probably really excel at SE. Okay. There's just a few off the would top read, of my head. Yeah. Would you read the next question? Question for Dolly. Oh wait, it just changed the question for both. Oh. <laughs> I think okay. unless they changed it. I think it got, I think it got overridden. Yes. So still, you can ask the question. I'll answer it first. Then you can. Do you have any tips for when your interlocutor insists on picking topics that are boring or uncontroversial or just plainly easy to agree with? Yeah. 
I, I love that opportunity because I can show that SE can literally examine the question. Vanilla is my favorite ice cream. It, it, I really can. It could be, uh, you might not like vanilla, but whichever it is. The point is really <laughs> simple you. stuff like that. I often, people are coming to me and, and want to test with claims they have no stake in to see if the system is okay before they expose mm. their real beliefs. So sometimes they will come at with, with the most banal, nonsensical, little irrelevant things. And I can still show that the method works just fine. That's a good point. SE is not at all challenged. You might think it's a waste of time, but it's a demonstration. So that's enough. So I'm, that's I'm my, glad that I'm position. glad that you I'm glad that you answered that one first because I I wouldn't have said that. I think I would have complained. Oh, I hate the boring ones mm -hmm. until you just said what you said. So I'm glad that you spoke first. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think. Well, it could put a person at ease if you take a very safe topic that they're not all that invested in. And technically, SE is the same, whether you're talking about knocking on wood or whether Jesus is your savior mm -hmm. or even something even more vanilla. Like, I think exercise is healthy for me. I, I would mm -hmm. get that so, so often on the trail I, and mm -hmm. it would take a lot of effort not to eye roll. Um, you, try, you have to remember, though. <clears throat> at least from my point of view, I'm looking for really good examples to show the public, to teach mm -hmm. them the method. So when I see a very boring vanilla topic, mm -hmm. it's it's an eye roll for me because it's keeping me from having a really good talk with somebody else on it, or maybe with them on a more mm -hmm. interesting topic that will resonate with viewers. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I see your point. Like, and also that person that you speak with on that very vanilla topic, they may go home, come back, and then they feel comfortable to surface that bigger topic, right? Or they, yeah. they want to bring somebody back or it, it, it opens them up enough to want to learn about SE because it's not yeah. a threatening thing. So they I had can a guy come at me with bike lanes, uh, mm -hmm. the need for bike lanes oh, I think for I've traffic seen or something. Yeah. And then, and then come back for the second go round immediately following with the a theist claim nice a full-on uh jesus is the savior of the thing mm -hmm. you know one of and those there, and there's something to be said about then you can occasionally reference a, a reason or a method that came sure. up in a bike lane example that you can use to contrast against this other one now would you use faith when it came to the bike lane thing or mm -hmm. yeah right yeah there, there's yeah, there, there value was some that. report that we built in the first one that i was able to lean in on the second one uh, mm -hmm. uh, some in just common references and also some in, uh, I, I don't remember the exact details, but yes, I was able to refer back to some of the steps in the prior one as steps we were going to do in the next one. Perfect. So, now so, you've reminded me, um, I had a talk, it was, I uploaded the fourth talk with this individual. We, she wanted to talk about antinatalism and it sort of mm -hmm. devolved into a talk about suicide. Um, yes, but we had, had three other very basic vanilla flavored talks. Like I think one of them was that uh, water is is two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Yep. Mm -hmm. Try essaying that one. Mm -hmm. um, but we did I actually use that one as an example. I say I'd mm -hmm. like it to be something that affects your life. And if you're not a chemist and you tell me water is uh, two and one, it probably doesn't affect any of your choices. Mm. Well, the point there is that she came back for a fourth one and surfaced like 
you know, she saw me. You can actually see her walk up to me at the end of my talk with Shane, uh, mm -hmm. the third talk with Shane, where um, there must have been some trust there, some rapport. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe sometimes you have to spend a little time on some safer topics to achieve a level of trust and openness before you can get to the real meat of it. But technically, the SE is the same. So like I'll, I'll do interviews with people and they say, you know, we're, we're having such a problem getting people using masks. Can you come on and explain to people how you'd use SE for that? Mm -hmm. and, 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 we, and we can do that. But technically, the, the arc of the conversations that you see in an SE dialogue, mm -hmm. they don't really change that much. Really. Right. I don't think. Yeah. Do that. And that's dangerously close to holding a position or, or working directly toward a specific result. Well, that's the other yeah. thing too. Yeah, you you don't want to you don't want to set aside. I, I I think you want to set aside the goal of changing a person's mind and getting somebody to come around to something and like no, I want to actively explore how they are arriving at their view. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you can kind of get into that mindset and stay in it, then you're going to probably do really well here. Good, good. Thank you. Is there anyone famous enough that we probably both know them that you would like to have as an interlocutor, and maybe on what claim? Well, I'd love to talk to President Trump. I know it's okay. never going to happen, but I would love to explore what he means by the word true. <laughs> like, I, I think we could have okay. an incredible, incredible conversation, uh, but it's no there's there's no way it would happen. Um, maybe a Jordan. I would love to talk about Jordan to Jordan Peterson about the same thing, because I think he's very slippery on, on his use of words. That's a lot more likely than Trump. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure what his health is like. Yeah, he might be having is he better now. Yeah, I'd heard he was recovering, but I I don't have mm -hmm. high confidence that that's true. Yeah, the problem though is that when you get somebody in an somebody who's famous, mm -hmm. and and they know they're being recorded where their fans will see them, they're going to be extremely guarded. Mm -hmm. So you you know like having having an honest, open conversation partner makes these conversations successful. And if if somebody's in a position or a venue where that's that's less conducive for them to be that person, then it's going to probably be a difficult road to hoe. Mm -hmm. Is that the phrase? Row. Road. Yeah, road to hoe. Don't you hoe you you hoe the roads? I think you hoe a row. You hoe yeah. the road. Road to hoe. I think it's a row. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have low confidence that I'm correct in this. I, I, I just heard it as bro. That might like, also be, a, that might also be a, like an American bro, expression. Maybe, maybe yeah. indeed. Who else? Okay, so uh, of people uh, famous enough, we probably both know, and you do not personally know, who would you most like to see practicing SE? This is the reverse of a question we had earlier. Uh -huh. Well, Joe Rogan, I think Joe Rogan would be really sure. good at it. He seems to already be nibbling at it a little bit and doing it. Mm -hmm. But he has a show he's trying to entertain people, too. So SE can sometimes be a little bit slow and boring. Yeah. Famous person. I mean, other than like the press, like I mentioned earlier, people in the press. Um, I mean, it, OK, this actually I do have a good answer to this one. Now that I think about it, there are YouTubers who have huge audiences um, a person like uh, what's that guy's name? Shane? Is that his name? Uh, is it Shane Dawson? 
there, there's a, there's, there are these YouTubers and they, they have millions of subscribers and then they'll upload a video about how there's a conspiracy in a pizza place to reuse pizza slices, for example. Yeah, what? there's that, there's literally a video where they're, they're, they're using their platform to encourage people to be gullible and not be skeptical. And it kills me. So I would love it if those, if the people of those channels would at least try to incorporate a little bit of skepticism and mm-hmm. teach critical thinking and perhaps even teach this method of questioning to their fans, to young people who are out there that can benefit from learning this tool. That's my answer. Mm-hmm. Shane Dawson, I think that's the guy's name. I, I don't want to pick on him specifically, but any anybody with a large platform who's reaching yes. young, influential people, then I, I, I wish that they would use their platforms to teach skepticism and critical thinking, but I just don't see it happening. Yes. So this will be our last question. We're over two hours, and I'd like to give you as much of the floor to this question as you like. Ooh, wow. This How would be you a explain one. what SE is for someone who does not understand it in a couple of minutes in an understandable way? So this might be the oh. elevator pitch or the five-minute yeah, yeah. thing. That's easy. That's okay. an easy one. I mean, okay. um, yeah, it, SE is a way of using questions to explore a person's claim without a, without that individual becoming too upset or defensive. That's that's okay. really That's really what it is. Um, having a person take another look at their views and see if they're justified in being sure that, that it's really true. That's, that's SE in a nutshell. Um, I, I, there's levels to that, of course. We, you know, you asked me 50 questions. I mean, th- this is a very deep mm-hmm. topic, but that's very surface level answer to that. Yeah. Very surface level. Okay, good. I, I keep having my own thing. Each time I do a public event, I do have a three to five minute spiel and it changes every time. Oh yeah. I yeah. mentioned Socrates and Hemlock at least once though. I mean, look at any video that I've uploaded. And when, once, when I go to explain what SE is, I, I bet if you were to do a transcription of my description of SE of mm-hmm. the last 50 videos that I've uploaded, you'll probably notice some different, it's not always the same. Yeah. And I intentionally try to describe it differently each and every time. <laughs> just to keep my mind sharp. Mm-hmm. Although Good. maybe from a point of like teaching, I, I also don't want it to become redundant for people who watch all the videos. So I, I try to mix it up. Good. Good. Yes. I, I do appreciate that. Okay. Um, just closing out. Is there anybody else who has a question just loaded, ready to go? Wants to go. Otherwise I'm going to move to the closing going going thank you anthony very much for joining us today it has been such a pleasure and um thanks so much for having me on yes these are five of my favorite se specific channels there's actually a longer list on my web on my youtube channel under the promoter channels area If you're really into this subject and want to understand more, my favorite set of resources are available on streetepistemology.com, provided by Street Epistemology International, which I I happen to know that Anthony is um, important to. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Dolly, thank you very much for having me on and for doing all that you're doing to 
to bridge that gap between observing the conversations and the application of it. Because the videos, uploading the videos don't do anything if, if people are just watching them and being entertained by them. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, that's not what I'm going for. I, I want to teach people how to do that. And if, if you're helping people bridge that gap, then that's mm-hmm. extremely useful, extremely valuable. And I, I'm great. I'm extremely grateful for you doing that, trying to fill that Thank gap. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, and I, I, I hope and expect you'll probably give me uh, feedback as we go uh, as to, as to ways I can steer it to do it better. Well, I mean, I'm tempted to jump in and give people feedback, but then again, I don't want to, uh, I kind of want to just let people do what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I want, I don't want to get in your way, but if you need help, reach out and I'll, I'll offer it. The street epistemology podcast is a production of street epistemology international. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at street epistemology, The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization. 